Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. You know, last week I told y'all about, uh, about the tale of two ranch jobs. I said that, you know, you, you think about driving up to some big fancy outfit like Spruce Mountain or, you know, y'all probably know them better than I do. Um, you know, you drive up, man, there's these big old nice houses. The pens are covered in air conditioned. There's got hydraulic chutes. I mean, just the whole nine yards. And you're looking at all of the beautiful stuff, the ponds to go fishing in, the nice corrals, just all of this stuff. And you would probably take the job based upon the benefits. Well, that's all good and well, but what happens whenever the wagon boss tells you to be there at 5 o'clock in the morning and the first thing that happens is a five-year-old big old Appaloosa horse, why you'd be riding one of those, I don't know, but, you know, that's that kind of lends to the story. A five-year-old Appaloosa horse stomps a mud hole in you the first day and then you're out building fence all day long. It's hot, it's nasty, it's sweaty, you're flanking calves, you're doing all of this stuff. Well, after a while, looking at that nice house and everything... It ain't going to make you stick. I guarantee you, like Ty said, whenever it's not your own and you haven't owned it or anything like that, it's just a job. But you take that on the other side, and if somebody, you know, say a cowboy called in, hey, I heard y'all got a ranch job. Yeah, I do. Well, tell me a little bit about it. Oh, man, you know it's sun up to sundown six days a week. Unless something comes up, then it's eight days a week, and you're going to be breaking rough rank horses and fixing lots of fence and building fence and flanking big calves and you know it's just it's going to be the hardest thing you ever did if that guy says you know what we can do that well he shows up later and works for a little while and it's hard and he's still sticking with it and then he sees the house and everything he gets given a camp and all of that man he's going to appreciate that so much I, you know, if you've been here for a little while, you know. If you haven't, or if this is your first time, you got lucky. Because the past few weeks, I've been busting y'all in the chops. Actually, for the past few months, I've been telling you how hard it is to be a Christian. We talked about two weeks ago about Peter says that you will suffer for Christ. And you will. I'm going to be honest. Whenever you come to Christ, it's not going to... When you start riding for that brand that Ty talked about, man, you are not going to... uh, Somebody's not going to be holding the big palm leaf and fanning you while you, you know, are fed Skittles out of a unicorn Pez dispenser. It's not going to happen like that. But unless... I'm showing my age, ain't I? (laughs) But the point is that when you understand that you will suffer for being a Christian then you can stick it out and then you can come to really appreciate the great benefits that there is in coming to Christ. You know, last week we, uh, I read a verse out of Isaiah. Well, actually it's out of, it's out of Matthew, but Jesus is reading out of Isaiah. He's, he's in a church. He walks into the church. He gets up to speak. They hand him the scroll of Isaiah. He unrolls this scroll. And you want to talk about a cowboy preacher? That was Jesus Christ. Why? Because he read two sentences and sat down. And then said two more sentences. This is what he read, and we talked about this last week. He unrolls the scroll and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has ordained me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then he went and sat down. And then he said this. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. That's what the Bible says, not me. And then it says, all eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. They're like, that's it? 
He didn't need to say anything else because he says this. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Dadgum, that's cool right there. Let me read it again. So Jesus is saying, man, what, what Isaiah said so many hundreds, hundreds of years ago has now come true right here. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news, good news, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Thank you. So why... Is Christianity so tough? Why aren't all of you, but better yet, maybe not you, there are thousands and millions of people out there that don't want to come to Christ, that don't want to ride for Him, and it blows my mind. It blows my mind. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8 if you've got your Bibles. Romans chapter 8. Wednesday was a cool day. I don't mean that just in the sense that it was a cool day. It was kind of chilly Wednesday. Me and Ty and Jared went and moved heifers that morning, and we saddled up, and we went through a gate, and then whenever uh, Jared, or I closed the gate, or Jared did one of us, when he closed the gate, Ty turns around and he says, let's have a word of prayer right quick. He said, Jared, will you lead us? And Jared said, well, guy can pray sometimes. Man, maybe it was caught him off guard or something, but anyway, he didn't have no time to think about it. But he prayed this awesome little prayer, and then Ty went way back to the backside of his pasture to bring him, and me and Jared started getting off all these right here, and then we had to go up into some scrub oak, and up on the side of this uh, little hill, rocky, had to find your way up and stuff, not too bad. There you go. <laughs> uh, that, was a, that was a technological amen. But anyway, so we get everything moved. We didn't have to doctor anything that day. That was the only thing that went wrong. For the rancher, it went right. You don't want to have to doctor, but uh, we always enjoy it. Um, but then afterwards, me and Ty went and checked some more. Some more heifers over a monument, and we were riding along. And I asked him that question. I said, Ty, tell me, man. I, I mean, I'm a preacher, and I, I feel like I'm really connected to the culture and to the people I'm trying to reach. But why don't people want to come to Christ? Why are they continuing living their lives in doubt and fear and guilt and shame and worry? Why don't they just go all in? And I said, Ty, I'm really asking. The preacher's asking you a question. He sat there for a little while. And he said, you know, I think it's because they think it's hard to get it right. There's too many stuff that you have to do. And, and you know, we didn't talk about this, but, you know, love your neighbor, and you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you got to do this, and, you know, you got to be nice to everybody, and you got to turn the other cheek, and, oh, my gosh, they're just like, you know what? You can't have no fun. And you know what? All of that is stupid and wrong. Let me tell you why. Because that was the Old Covenant. In the Old Testament, which is most of the Bible, It speaks of our need for somebody to do it for us. The Old Covenant was all about what you did and how you had to prove your love for God. It was all about what you did. But when God sent His only Son to show us the way, Jesus says, I have come to preach the good news to the poor and to set the captives free, and the day of the Lord's favor has come. See, the New Covenant isn't about what you do. It's about what Jesus did. No more do you have to sit there. There is not a checklist. Why do you, why do we, I'm going to include myself in it, why do we think, oh, we have to do this to be a good Christian? There are no good Christians. There are saved and there is lost. That's it. That's it. Let me tell you another little analogy that me and Ty talked about. You know, you think about team roping, and I know we've got some team ropers in here. We are going to pray for you. We're not going to hold that against you or anything like that. This is why I didn't like team roping. You paid a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks, and if your header missed or your healer missed, you're out. It's 
just done. Go back to the house. Or go pay up and, and do it again. That was the old covenant. That was the law. When you missed, you had to go pay up. You were responsible for that debt. To get back in the race, to get to heaven, you had to pay up. It was all about what you did and how you had to pay for your mistakes. But you know what? Now, it's like being in a Brandon pen with Jesus. And when you go in there, when you miss, you know what he says? He doesn't say, well, now you owe me a sacrifice because you made a mistake. No, he doesn't say that. He goes, build back up. Throw again. Good try. And you have an unlimited amount of loops because he's already paid for every one of your misses. Past, present, and future. He has paid for all of it, so why are we keeping track? Well, we got to do this, and we're, if we're not a good Christian, we don't do that. Good grief. But in Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about the new covenant, about the covenant of grace, where Jesus did something for you that you can never pay back, and the only the only thing that you should do in response to that is to love God for sending His Son, to love Christ. In Romans chapter 8, 31 through 39, Paul explains the grace of God by asking six questions. Now you can all, and I want you to remember this. I'm not much on people memorizing verses, and I'm not going to ask you to memorize the verse. I'm going to ask you to memorize where to find it whenever you start feeling doubt, fear, guilt, shame, and worry. Okay? Romans chapter 8, there's eight verses. 31 through 39. Okay? Eight verses in eight. Romans 8, 8. He starts off by asking, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? He's like, he's asking an opening question. He's like, Man, what can we even say about how much good that we have? Whenever I asked Ty, I said, why don't people start riding for God? Why are they so content with following the ways of the world and being miserable and acting like they're somebody big where inside their hearts they know that they ain't got it all together? Why do they do that? And he said, because they think that following Christ is too hard. And you know what I told him? And we both just kind of sat there and smiled at each other like, dang, with grace, following Jesus is hard to get wrong. You want to talk about why Christianity is so hard? Because it's hard to get wrong whenever you're following Christ. When you're riding for Him, He died for you. All of your sins have been forgiven. If you ask and repent of them, they have been forgiven. Not just yesterday's, not today's, not just tomorrow's, but all of them. He set you free. And yet we still are miserable. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? I think the answer to that is following Jesus is hard to get wrong. It ain't hard to get right. It's hard to get wrong. Your misses have been paid for. All he's, even if you do have a miss, a sin in your life, man, you say, golly, man, sorry about that. Jesus says, sorry about what? Build again. Throw again. Let's go. He ain't going to jump on your butt. He ain't going to send you out of the, the pen or, you know, he's, it's not consecutive after one. Then the second question that Paul asks in Romans chapter 8 is, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Now let me ask you, before, before, I mean, before I give you the answer to that, doesn't it imply good news? Think about that. Doesn't it imply good news? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Now you've got God on your side. He's riding right there with you. He made the world. He, his son conquered the world. And we would rather do it ourselves. I've got a simplified cowboy version on my Facebook fan page. It says, trusting in yourself for strength works about as well as roping a bull off a stick horse. And that's what we do. We're all, yeah, let me rope that bull off my stick horse. <laughs> and, and if you're riding for Christ, you ride up there in a big old, big old stout horse and you reach out and rope it. 
Go on, no big deal. While everybody else is being drugged around. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? There is one that can be against you. And I know who you're thinking about. Was it right? You know who can be against you? The only one that can be against you? You. Only you. What did you think he meant in Luke 9.23 when Jesus said, And he said to all, You are part of that all. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me, because you're the only one that can stand in the way of everything that Jesus has to offer. Why? Because he gave you free will. He's not going to make you take it. He's not going to take the the long gun, put a pill in there, stick it down your throat, and pull the trigger. It ain't going to happen. Only you, when it says, when he asks the question, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? The only person that can stand against you is you. And you know what? Some of us won't get out of our own dang way. We're more content with mud pies than everything that Jesus has to offer. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? You know, man, I'm here to tell you, if you don't remember one thing, I'm not asking you to remember bullet points or anything like that. You remember this. Following Jesus is hard to get wrong. It's super Hard to get wrong. As a matter of fact, you would have to absolutely 100% stand up in front of everybody and denounce your faith, curse God and everybody that follows Him to get it wrong. I'm not talking about just like denying Him. Peter denied Him three times and we know where Peter's at, right? I'm not talking about backsliding a little bit. You would have to make a conscious decision to say, I don't want nothing to do with Jesus Christ. He is not my Lord. He is not my Savior. And I don't want to have anything to do with it. That's the only way that you can get it wrong. So why are we using that as an excuse not to truly follow Christ? The third question that Paul asks, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? (laughs) Is that not good news? I mean, come on. I don't know. I mean, I'm hitting you with two hot shots at once trying to convince you that this is what you need. And I shouldn't have to convince you. You should be hearing it in your heart right now. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for you, won't also he give us everything else? Everything that you want, everything, and what, well, let me rephrase that. Everything that you need and a lot of the things that you want, whether you know you want them or not, is going to be found in Jesus Christ. And you just got to give your life to Him. It ain't a set of rules that you have to go by. It says right there, won't He give us everything else? Think about this. This is Jesus' words right here. Most famous Bible verse in the Bible. I guess it would be a Bible verse if it's in the Bible. John 3, 16 and 17. Jesus is talking. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. You've all heard that, right? Love that verse. It means absolutely nothing if you don't understand the next one that goes with it. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world but to save it. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. If somebody is pointing their finger at you going, you can't do that, you sorry son of a gun, that is not God, that is the devil. Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? I don't understand. I'll ask the question that I asked Ty. Why don't people go all in for Christ? I don't understand why some of you listening or on the radio or sitting here or... I don't understand. The God of the universe is offering you everything. And all He asks is that you believe in His Son and ride for His brand. And it ain't about the misses. 
It's about the mister. Sorry, sorry. That was a bad one, sorry. That was a bad one. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it but to save it through Him. Awesome. Awesome. With grace, following Jesus is hard to get wrong. People say, ah, oh, man, Christianity is just too hard. It is hard. It's hard to get wrong. You have to intentionally, 100% intentionally, make a choice to get it wrong. Then he says, who dares accuse us when God has chosen for his, who has, God has chosen for his own? Paul asks the question, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Then Paul answers it himself. He says, no one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. See, you may remember all of your sins, all of your faults, all of the crappy stuff that you've done in your life, all of that stuff. You may remember it, but you know what God said? God said, your sins I will remember no more. He wipes it clean. He doesn't wipe it clean and put it in his back pocket to bring up to you later, like your husband does or your wife does when you get in a fight. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, God, do you remember that one time I, I did this? And you fill in the blank, you know. I did this, and he's like, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't. What? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. It's kind of like husbands, what you tell your wives. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Seem a little too serious. Well, this is good news. This is good news. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? You are God's kids. And if you're living in misery right now, carrying around a lot of pain, guilt, shame, doubt, fear, it's your own fault. Christ died to remove those from you. It is a choice that you are making. You are believing the devil's lies instead of God's promises. The devil is the accuser. When we have doubts, fears, guilt, worry, and shame, that is putting more stock in the devil's lies than God's promises. Word. With grace, following Jesus is hard to get wrong, guys. Hard to get wrong. Who then will condemn us? Paul asked two questions kind of back-to-back with a sentence in between. He says, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? That was the first question. And he said, no one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Right? And then he asked, then who will condemn us? And then he again, he answers with the same answer, no one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, Pleading for us. You know what that means? He's sitting there going, man, you didn't miss. I died for that miss. Build back up. Throw again. Throw again. Throw again. And when we come before Jesus right there, Jesus says, man, this is my brother. This is my bride. This is, we are one. And when God looks down to judge us, he doesn't see us. He sees his son. He's like, well, why are you standing down there? Come on in. Because all of our stuff has been wiped clean. Who will then condemn us? No one. No one will condemn you. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life. And he is sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Paving our way with grace following Jesus is hard to get wrong. And the last one, the last question Paul asks in Romans 8, 31 through 39 is this. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or even threatened with death? A couple of weeks ago, we got out there, me and Ty and Sean and Jared, and there was a big old soggy heifer that weighed more than Fiona does. Now, Fiona's not very big. She's, she's awesome, but she's not very big. And 
Me and Tybo said, I don't want to rope her. I don't want to head her. <laughs> she was bigger than both of our horses. And anyway, man, she was going around, and we couldn't get a shot at her, couldn't get a shot at her, and we were trying to get her into the corner of this pasture. And we had them rodeared up there in the corner and everything. And finally, we kind of got her separated off, and, you know, she's looking like a linebacker. She's fixing to make her escape, and I'm like, please don't come my way. Please don't come my way. Please don't come my way. And she came my way. So I thought about T-Rexing it, you know, oh, I missed but I thought, no, nah, I won't do that. So I reached out there, caught her right around the neck and the front foot. Don't get no better than that. Dally up. And Fiona's like, Arr! she's trying to hold him and everything. And so Ty comes in there and he gets a hind leg and everything. Well, whenever you've got a, when you've got a big cow like that or a big old heifer rope, when you've got a front foot, it's good if they're pulling back and facing you because it kind of pulls this up and they can't go nowhere, but they don't choke down. It's really good. But when they're turned away from you, it's like a pulling collar. I mean, they're just like, well, let's go this way. And Fiona's like, oh. And she's down like that. And anyway, this all happened in a blink of an eye. Ty gets one rope. He's starting to get her stretched out. I've got a dally on. Fiona's just braced like that. And all of a sudden, that heifer pulls real hard before Ty can get her stretched out. And when she does, Fiona goes down like this to brace harder. And that heifer pulls my saddle up onto Fiona's neck. She rears up, so now we are this high off the ground, and my saddle comes completely off of her. Just like you're taking her shirt off. I have both feet still in the stripes, and I'm still dallied. <laughs> Bam! I hit the ground, and I'm trying to pop dallies, because now she's dragging me in the saddle. I'm still in the saddle. I finally get up, and I'm like, I look at Ty, and Ty goes, You okay? I'm like, Yeah. And I turn around and look, and I'm right here, my saddle's right here, my saddle blankets are there, and Fiona's like, I was doing my job, don't get on to me. I should have slipped a little rope. I mean, it, it, it was actually my mistake. If I'd have slipped a little rope, she could have stood back up, you know. But, I mean, it all happened like that. And Sean said, I ain't never seen that before. And Ty said, I seen it once and hope to never see it again. I'm over there saddling my horse <laughs> again. So does that mean when you follow Christ that there won't be any bad times? That, that you, that the shadow won't be sucked off of you and you'll be up seven feet in the air? No. Does that mean you won't ever hit the ground? No. Does that mean everything's just going to be perfect and we can all skip and play Red Rover? No. Paul says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or even threatened with death? And see, that's the suffering part that I was trying to tell you all about. You, you can't understand Christianity. You can't understand that peace. Me and Doug and Ty were talking the other day. And Doug was like, you know what? I, I just, you can't explain that peace that comes from God. The Bible says it's a peace without understanding. Because when you take the suffering that you know it's going to happen, because when you go against this world, man, it's like going upstream against a stampede of the entire world. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to get stomped. But it ain't nothing compared to what you'll receive in heaven. When you take the suffering and you take the grace of God and you put those together, that's where the peace comes from. Free of worry, free of doubt, free of shame, free of guilt, free of fear. Paul answers that question, can anything separate us from Christ's love? He says, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. The victory is ours. 
And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, or demons, or fears of today, or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is good news, folks. That is good news. Do not leave here today unless you understand that Christianity, following Christ, authentic Christianity, not that religious crap. I'm talking about riding for Him. You can't get it wrong. God works for the good in all things for those that believe in Christ Jesus. Does that mean that we should go sin more so that grace may abound? No. It sets you free to do things and love God and love everybody else the way you were meant to do it. It is good news, folks. It's called good news for a reason. Please, understand that. Quit living your life the hard way apart from Christ. That life stinks, man. It's hard. You can't mess up whenever you're following Christ unless you absolutely make a conscious decision to do so. Quit worrying about your misses. Build again and start riding for Him. Hi, this is Lovey Weatherby. I call myself the worst preacher's wife ever, but Kevin calls me his better half. Confused yet? Well, you shouldn't be. All you need to do is go to SaveTheCowboy.com and you can find links to our live church broadcast each Sunday morning. Or you can go back and listen to this service or any others that you missed. Did you know my man is the author of four books? You can find them all, as well as sermons on CD, by clicking on the store link at SaveTheCowboy.com. On behalf of Kevin and Save the Cowboy, thanks for listening. Hey, do you have horses? If you do, then you need to call my friends Rod and Brenda Denning at Hitch and Post Hay. This is where I get all of my hay and Fiona loves it. Call them at 303-324-8217 and tell them that you heard about them from Save the Cowboy and they'll donate 5% of the sale to our mission to reach cowboys and cowgirls. Give Hitch and Post Hay a call for premium quality horse hay at 303-324-8217.